All right, it's Tuesday, December 13th, and tonight is the Week 15 Fantasy Football Playoffs, Round 2. For sure, man. All right, welcome to the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Jason Evans, and across from me, as always, is David Biggs. So, Dave, uh, it's just you and I tonight. Uh, we have had a guest here often, uh, especially in the second half of the year, but we will have uh, some more guests next week before we close out the fantasy season. But tonight, it's you and I. We're going to power through week 15. And hopefully uh, get ourselves a couple of wins in, in uh, the playoffs. Why not? It's a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah, so we don't play each other in any of the playoffs yet. And uh, that means that we could possibly meet for a championship game. So that should be very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it might even be probable at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> It'd be know. fun. We haven't, had to, we haven't done that yet. I mean, I'm in a couple of leagues that you're not in that I'm in the playoffs and, and vice versa. I think. I think there's two leagues still that we're in the same playoffs. So uh, I know that we don't play each other this week, um, so good luck. Anyways, uh, what, are you, what is it that you are drinking over there? I uh, bought a whole folly pack of New Belgium varieties, and this is a Fat Tire, which is one of the beers that kind of started the craft beer revolution, being that uh, New Belgium was always a little on the crafty side, even though they were available in a wider range than the small little microbrewers were. I've also got an accumulation... IPA and a 1554 black lager next to me, ready to be uh, to be imbibed. In, oh, very nice. In order, I believe. <laughs> I uh, have a Citradelic from the same brewery, New Belgium, and you're totally right about uh, Fat Tire there. I remember back in like 2005, uh, going to school down in Carbondale, Illinois. We were pretty close to Missouri, which is where you had to go to get Fat Tire. At that time, you couldn't get any Fat Tire um, on our side of the Mississippi River. Surely you mean Missouri. It, yes, it's exactly what I meant. <laughs> we had to drive all the way to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a good time. It was a good road trip. I remember a friend got a keg for a party once, and it was like a huge deal. So, you know, Fat Tire has good memories, even if I don't really reach for it to drink it anymore because they're like different styles now. Gotcha. Well, um, like you said... Uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is week 15, so there's only one week left because I don't believe we're going to do a week 17 show. And the reasons, uh, I'll give them two reasons. One reason is because we just, um, we, we want to... We're tired. We want to take off <laughs> a couple weeks after having done the whole fantasy playoff thing. And number two is that if you have leagues that play in week 17 for the fantasy playoffs, you should probably get out of them. Yeah, there is no like legitimate reason really to have a Week 17 Fantasy uh, League. There is so much uh, craziness that goes on in Week 17 of the league. Even like right now, it's starting to get a little nuts. With um, like As soon as a player gets injured, they put them on IR at this point, even if they're only missing a couple weeks. So it seems different, and you see a lot more people who are going to get chances to play, especially once start, some teams get eliminated. So that does leave the possibility open for some very sneaky uh, waiver wire picks to help you uh, finish your season off. Okay. 
All right, so before we get to the waiver wires this week, we are going to talk about a little bit of week 14, um, sort of wrap up uh, that week, put a little bow on it, and then move on from there. So week 14 was the start of the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, Big things went down before, they went down during and after the game as well. Um, So if you haven't yet, um, I don't know that we'll touch on them this week, but make sure you go to our website, uh, check out the um, Le'Veon Bell version of Insignificant Statistics. It's... uh, one of my favorites that I've done. Or significantly, statistically insignificant. I don't even know the name of my own column. Try not to worry about it too much. It's, yeah. You have a lot of syllables in there. I wrote a lot of things down tonight, and I got it all right, but I didn't write that down, and there's my mistake. Yeah. Plus, you you and I were both ousted from a playoff league last uh, last night. And I kind of hearken oh. this to, let's, let's compare it to, uh, if we have a metaphor, like, for example, buying a, uh, a fish. Like uh, like a forty dollar fish buying the fish tank, uh, buying a book on you know how to feed the fish and and how right. to. We're not talking about winning a goldfish at the fair. <laughs> and then uh, after your fish has been uh, doing really well for after a period of time, let's say four months or five months, then the fish just dies abruptly, uh, and you are left with no more fish. Oh sure, and you know if your fish died uh, like a couple of weeks ago, then it's a lot easier uh, to deal with at this point. Like you've had a few weeks to just get over it. It's not such a big deal to you anymore. But this is right but before. But if your fish just died because Tom Brady kept throwing touchdowns, then it's, you know, you still remember your fish with fondness. Well, the reason is because you could, at the end of this period of time, if you still have the fish and it's in good health, you can trade them in for a motorized scooter. Oh, that's an interesting trade. Well, I was this is not all, aware that, that this was is, available. This is all just a really odd metaphor, but I think it's working for me. I don't know about you guys. Just, That's uh, exactly how I feel when I play fantasy football. Let me know. It's DavidDrink5.com if you have any other metaphors that are similar to fish and motorized scooters and all things like that. Uh, there actually is a U2 song that's pretty close to that. Okay. So, uh, moving back to week 14. Uh, so, two NFC South receivers set out. They didn't even play. Uh, we knew that they weren't playing before the game, so you were able to uh, make other plans. It's not the end of the world when a guy is inactive. That is almost good news because you're not wondering, should I start him? Is he going to be too injured? That part of the problem is answered for you. Now all you have to worry about is who's going to replace them. So in the case of Julio Jones missing a game because of turf toe, you look to Taylor Gabriel as sort of a fill-in on that team. And he scored a long touchdown, as he tends to do, but didn't get too many touches. So it's always a risky one. Uh, Over in New Orleans, Michael Thomas, with a foot injury, sat out. And that definitely had an effect on some people's uh, playoff outcome both because Drew Brees didn't have one of his favorite targets, and Michael Thomas, obviously not there, one of the best receivers on a team with an amazing quarterback. you know. But the New Orleans Saints only scored 11 points. They didn't get any touchdowns in that game. Um, it seems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are for real. You know, Is that what you see from the Bucs? They're kind of a for real team right now? I, I struggle with that phrase. Because I don't know what it means if someone's for real. And I remember like when the, when the Bears played uh, a couple years ago. And what was that one quote? We said we are who we thought they were. Like They I mean, are who we thought they were? Of yeah. course they are, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's the ebb and flow of things. So in my perspective, you've got, look at baseball, 162 games. Teams go up and down multiple times, sometimes five or six times within the course of a season. In football, it generally only happens once or twice. And Tampa Bay was uh, looking kind of sluggish coming out of the gate. Now they're looking really good. I guess for them, it's going to be, can they keep it on for another three or four games? Or is this you know just going to sort of uh, ebb? Yeah, they're tied for first place in the NFC South right now. Um, So anyways, that's two big things that happened before the games. 
during the games, we had two top running backs go down very early in the game. So Matt Forte left the game, I think, on the second drive with a knee injury. Did not return to the game at all. Uh, paved the way for Bilal Powell to have a monster game that really should have gone to Forte owners. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes, I suppose. Uh, Bilal Powell had, I think, two touchdowns and 170 yards or something crazy like that. He had 29 points. He was the second highest running back behind Le'Veon Bell, who uh, outscored him by, like, 20 points. Um so Melvin Gordon is the other running back that, you know, was a huge loss to a lot of people. He was carted off the field with a hip injury. Uh, so anytime somebody has to get on the cart, it's no good. But then again, uh, Randall Cobb got on the cart and uh, went to the locker room and then came back later in the game. So Melvin Gordon, um, it, there's all kinds of different reports uh, about his timeline. At first, it sounded like he was going on the IR. Uh, and then I read stuff that said he was day-to-day. And then I st- read stuff that he was week-to-week. So um, you have to just pay attention to whatever happens with him. I agree with your assertion that he's not going to play this next week, but he might come back for the for the championship game. And for all of our purposes, that's all that really matters. Exactly. What's going to happen over the next two weeks with these guys? You can't drop a person who's week to week because they might play in week 16. Sure. Matt Forte is kind of sketchy. If he starts this week, it's kind of a bummer because you're going to split. But if you have like Bilal Powell and Forte's not going to play at all, that's a great start, I think. They're playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins... Um, you know, they have a decent defense. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be, a, they're not going to, it's not going to be like last week against San Francisco is what I'm saying. However, um, he's going to be a good fill in because if you had Matt Forte, you're going to need somebody who gets the ball a lot to sort of fill that role. And Powell can do that. We know that in the past he could do that on the Jets. It just seemed like this year they were going to give all the work to Forte. And that's why there hasn't been too much Powell until Forte went down last week. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, for rushing defense, for example, uh, just for yardage, Miami is the third worst team, where San Francisco is the first worst. So Bilal Powell is a oh. great play. Uh, Forte is a great play. If, if he plays, I don't think he will, or he'll be limited in some capacity where you shouldn't play him if you have an option. Either way, um, it's a good matchup for uh, Jets running backs. Excellent. I, you know, I mean, they always seem to play well like they didn't let david johnson go crazy last week uh maybe that was partly due to the rain and partly due to the fact that carson palmer was abysmal for the first three quarters no it was carson palmer's bad play i i think um and and also the fact that uh, miami does have a decent passing defense and johnson's a lot of his points come from from the pass attack um uh, even though he does sometimes have good games all around he's not going to put up 300 rushing yards you know or well nobody is but Le'Veon Bell almost got there. Le'Veon Bell, well, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> that close, but 236 I think he had is pretty damn impressive. I think that the record is uh, just under 300. Adrian Peterson had it. Yeah, point being, uh, Miami's rushing defense is not that good, so it's still a great matchup. Uh, so then after the games ended, uh, one of the biggest things that happened was that Jeff Fisher got fired. So he was given a two, uh, two-year extension uh, not that long ago, just a couple weeks ago, I believe, maybe even less time than that. Um, so he was a few games shy of breaking the all-time loss record for head coaches, uh, which is interesting that they were like, nope, we don't want you to have that record with us. We're just going to go ahead and get rid of you here. And, you know, he may not end up coaching again. I think uh, his, you know, his record clearly speaks for itself. And I don't know many teams that are going to say like, hey, you know, we want the guy who's going to break the all-time losing record when he's with us. 
Well, because even if he joins a good team, he's going to lose four games. Guy made plenty of money, right? So I expect he'll go into college coaching or or some kind of. Uh, um, you know, sports analysis or something like that. And that's fine. He may not even need to. He's been an NFL coach for over 20 years. Well, he doesn't need to. It's just that these guys don't like to get out of the game entirely a lot of the times. That's true. But you're, I don't think he needs anything at the moment. Uh, and and they're quite justified in firing him. In fact, I, I'm not really sure why they hired him in the first place. But Well, they hired him five years ago. It was a little different. Back not then. really. He was still a losing coach, and he's like, always been. Yeah. So I don't really know why anyone kept on uh, keeping on with him, you know. But now we've got this whole controversy over who will be the coach. So that's going to keep us uh, going for the next couple of months. Oh, already, like every large name out there that likes going to LA has been mentioned. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's a strong possibility that it ends up being Gruden, and I think that's going to be the top uh, prospect. John. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to watch him coach against his brother. Yeah. Having a little brotherly rivalry. But, um, you know, the Rams, the problem with them is that they actually do have talented pieces of the puzzle, and it was just they frustrating do. to watch Fisher ruin it every year. They so. have some great defensive linemen. They have Todd Gurley, who, despite all of his performances this year, um, is still a good player, and they have the number one pick from last year's draft yeah well their defense is great and we had a conversation earlier this year i still remember because it seems like every year you forget about some of the the things that are not great about people and you try to maybe it's just our our you know rosy colored glasses but but every year um it seems like we look at the rams and we're like well they could do a little better (laughs) and it doesn't happen so I remember one of those games we were watching versus New England or, or Seattle or someone who scored just a million points against them, and they were just doing a couple of plays over and over again. And um, we were talking about it, and I was saying they just did the same thing. You'd it's a very expect, New England thing to do. You'd expect a coach to uh, to change up you know, the scheme or figure something out on the fly to not allow them to do the same thing over <laughs> and over. But Jeff Fisher is just you know basically banging his head against a brick wall, and that was uh, a pretty good... Um, metaphor to his whole career in St. Louis slash Los Angeles. I do believe that on Roto World, um, in the just scathing blurb they wrote when he got fired, it mentioned that uh, his only answer for second half adjustments was to commit more personal fouls. <laughs> I mean, the Rams were abysmal. They lost, uh, they handed the 49ers their only victory, and there was a huge controversy kind of all year about. Why is Jared Goff sitting on the bench? This clearly isn't a team that's going anywhere with Case, Case Keenum, you know. And it it took Case Keenum getting benched for being crappy for several games in a row, you know, to even get Goff on the field. Like, yeah, why why did why did they even draft him? So it's a good thing that they've moved on from Jeff Fisher. They can put this team together and figure out what they have. Yeah, and they'll have another good draft pick. So the, the team could be pretty good in a year or two. Uh, higher chances of that than a team, say, like the Bears, who doesn't have as many good pieces. Oh, the Bears are currently going to be like winning the next few games. You know, They'll spoil someone's <laughs> playoff hopes, and they're going to finish with like the 10th pick again. And it's never going to like work out for them. They're going <laughs> to remain in uh, NFL hell. Sure, sure. Uh, so Ryan Tannehill left the game on Sunday with a suspected ACL tear. It does appear that he has escaped a full tear, um, but he's not going to play anymore in the regular season. So he's out of the fantasy uh, picture. It's possible that the Dolphins will make the playoffs. They're currently 8-5. and five. They're currently in the playoffs. So saying that it's possible if they make it you know, is being a little unkind to them. But let's, it, let's face it, they're going to have Matt Moore starting for them 
I don't know that they're going to win a bunch more games. Yeah, ACL, MCL strain may come back for a playoff game. Um, the Dolphins can win games, but they're just not a team that's equipped to go very far in the playoffs. So, um, side note, remember, they play on Saturday night this week. Uh, we've got Saturday night games this week, and almost all the games are Saturday next week. Um, but the Jets and the Dolphins will be playing on Saturday night. Uh, and the Thursday night game is the, um, the Seahawks and the Rams. So, I'm glad that we have other plans. Because <laughs> that's going to be a bad game. Uh, so, anyways, I with Tannehill out, with Matt Moore in, I see it as a downgrade for Landry and Parker. For sure. Uh, but I, I don't think that Jay Ajayi is going to change that much. You know, uh, I think they'll focus on him a little bit more. Uh, and he'll get more attention from the defense. And that will kind of cancel out. And he'll be able to do what he's been doing. So, like you said, um, he's going to play, you know, the Jets and the Bills. And they should uh, allow Ajayi to score plenty of points. You know, the Bills just gave up all that uh, stuff to Le'Veon Bell last week. Uh, the Bills' defense is not that great. Uh, so up in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers uh, apparently hurt his calf on the third play of the game. Um, it, I, I noticed him limping a bit, but I figured it was the hamstring or whatever had been bothering him over the last couple weeks. Um, but honestly, during the plays, he doesn't ever seem to have much of an issue. Uh, maybe he's hamming it up afterwards, or maybe it is affecting him, and it's just kind of adrenaline, or, or he's just ignoring it uh, and playing through it. Anyways, he played very well on Saturday uh, I think he was the third best quarterback on the week. Uh, he's been the top three quarterback like every single week. His consistency this second half of the season has been spectacular. Um, it's really another crappy uh, situation for him coming up this week. It's going to be like one degree here in Chicago, and they're playing uh, the Bears. At least it's not going to be like a night game where it could be even extra cold. So um, that's about all that you've got going for you. But with Rodgers playing so well... Assuming he plays, I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, you have to start him, right? You can't make a weather exception or an injury exception for him. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I know some people that have like an Aaron Rodgers and maybe they'll have like a Kirk Cousins or someone. Then you can reasonably start someone like that uh, on top of Rodgers in a bad situation when Cousins would be in a good situation. But uh, I would say for the most part, no. You know, uh, you start Rodgers, especially against the Bears. Um, he knows that team well, and it doesn't really matter if it's zero degrees, as long as it's not like uh, sleet sickles that will, you know, that are sharp and would maybe you know amputate limbs and things like that, or, or a heavy wind or something like that that's yeah. going to tear them apart. Right. It's it's reasonable for you to bring up a heavy wind. I guess uh, sleet sickles are not that reasonable. Sleet sickles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it's sleet sickles, you don't want to start the guy. It could happen. That is good advice, Dave. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Appreciate it. So uh, Matt Stafford made it eight fourth quarter comebacks on Sunday. That's Matthew Stafford note. <laughs> oh yes, it should be Matthew Stafford. I thought I had written that. I mean, you can call because him that. I know that if I don't write Matthew, then it doesn't pop up in the thing. Anyways, uh, at the expense of unfortunately his middle finger. Um, so no, he wasn't flipping the bird to the Bears defense. He just kind of followed through and hit uh, his hand on a helmet. Dislocated, right? Uh, and like tore a ligament too, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but he put a glove on and he played through it. He's expected to play through it. The one thing that worries me is it's the same issue essentially that Derek Carr has, um, but Carr has it on his left hand and it's worse. Um, you know, on your throwing hand, your middle finger isn't, you know, isn't as uh, important as like your uh, pointer finger or your ring finger when you're throwing a football, but it's important. 
Uh, it's probably going to cause a lot of pain. It'll probably make it tough to take snaps. Um, so I didn't see where they're playing, but if they're going to be in an outdoor cold situation, that could definitely affect him. Sure, although I, he did say that you know this was similar to an injury that he himself suffered a couple of years ago or last year. Yes, uh, and, and it wasn't it. wasn't as bad as that, which is uh, good news for fantasy owners. Again, with Stafford playing so well, I don't know that you can really sit him unless you have an extremely viable option to play in his stead. I disagree. I don't think that Matt Stafford is a weekly starter in most leagues. He don't, I mean, he's not like putting up lots of points every week at all. He's been good for me, but all right, I understand. In a, in a two-quarterback league, right? No. No, you're talking single quarterback? I, I, I Well, I'm looking it up right now just to see where he kind of falls. He is he is top ten, so I'll grant you that. Um, but look, I mean, if you can find another guy that's playing above board, then that's fine. It's just difficult to do when you have a top ten quarterback and he gets injured. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he, of course, he's not Aaron Rodgers, and I'm certainly not trying to compare him to that. But in a regular league that's 10 or 12 teams, you usually don't have the luxury of picking uh, guys that are in the top two tiers. Right. So um, So good luck if you want to <laughs> fill him in with someone else. Yeah, I mean, he's also playing the Giants this week. So between playing outside in the cold, having the bump finger, if you got something else in your lineup, like you were saying earlier, like if you had Kirk Cousins you know, and Aaron Rodgers or something like that, if you had another name where you're just swapping off people, uh, then I would go with the other one this week instead of Matt Stafford. So that's all. It's just some Matthew Stafford information. <laughs> uh, so Darren Sproles and his fellow backfield mate Wendell Smallwood uh, exited the game on Sunday due to injury. Uh, it was uh, Smallwood who wound up on the IR for the remainder of the season, uh, probably because it was just something that was going to take more than a couple weeks. And I believe that the Eagles are out of the playoffs now at 5-8. and eight. Um, So Smallwood, I think, hold on to in dynasty formats, right? Would that be your recommendation as well? That's just silly to even discuss. He's a He was a starter this year that scored a lot of points, and any rookie uh, that has any semblance of uh, starting caliber talents needs to be held on to for several years, at least, in a uh, dynasty league. When I say several, I don't mean several in its more common definition of five plus. I guess I mean few, which is closer to the, the meaning of three to four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but for example, um, and not to delve too far into dynasty uh, discussion, but if we're talking about a guy like, let's say, um, Kristen Michael, who I had on my roster personally on my dynasty team for two years, three years, you have him on there, he doesn't do anything or he doesn't get an opportunity to, then you let him go. And regardless of what happens after that, generally a guy who doesn't break out in two or three years is not going to be a guy that you're going to play. But Wendell yeah. Smallwood has already kind of broken out in a big game when he was first used by the Eagles. So now you have to hold on to him, <laughs> especially considering the fact that Sproles is old and Smallwood looks like he'll be the you know number two in a tandem for quite a while on the Eagles. Yeah, and Ryan Matthews is the freaking glass man. So what are you going to do there? <laughs> well, he's the, he's the lead back now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, I, I personally think that we need to uh, call all the NFL teams, remind them that the kickoff, uh, I'm sorry, the extra point is no longer a gimme. It's no longer a freebie. Um, because this is the third time now uh, that it's happened this year where a team has a, uh, an extra point try blocked or a two-point conversion picked off uh, in the case of the Falcons last week and then returned for two points the other way, which ends up making the difference in the game. 
So the Cardinals, it wasn't at the end of the game. It wasn't when they were all the way back, but they were on their way back. Um, and during the game, Arizona missed two of two extra points. One of them was returned the other way for two points. It's a four-point swing in the game. And the game, in this game, they lost by three. It was an overtime game, which meant they would have won in regulation with no problem. Uh, had they made even one of the, those kicks. Um, so it, it's a illustration of what kind of season it's been for the Cardinals. But also, like, this, uh, you know, moving the, uh, the extra point back, I think it was 12 yards. They moved it from, like, the two-and-a-half-yard line back to the 15. Has made way more of a difference, I think, than most people thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's it's affected the outcome of several games this year. Um, it's always an adventure now in, in games. If it's bad weather or, or if teams are having an issue with snapping the ball or something like that, they're not even trying it. They're just going for two-pointers. So it's good practice that uh, that the Steelers have been doing lately. It's pretty smart of them to like try going for two all the time, really. Yeah, I think so too. And I do believe that the, um, the mathematics average out now to being more beneficial to going for two than going for one. Um, Unless you're a team that only scores like a touchdown. <laughs> right. If you go for two, then... You have to score a couple score touchdowns one, to get the opportunities. Sure, but um, like the, the average points gained, if you go for two, was like .02 points higher than just kicking the extra point now. So you're actually, on average, gaining more points by going for two. But you are, you know, um, to, just to put like a stopper on that, you're saying that's the average of the averages, which is like if you have a bad red zone team and you score a touchdown, you might not want to chance the two because sure. you're probably There's not going to get in there. individual situations that you need to look at. But as a whole, the league is now, you know, shifting to a different balance maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that means that more people are going to go for two and then that'll go down and the people who only go for one are going to be the people who, you know, have it rock solid. Certainly possible. Um, and then it'll change again. And then it's copycat league. So if something's working for some people, everyone's going to try it. Yeah. I have a couple items I wanted to mention if I can sandwich them in here. Oh, please do. Mike Gillisley was named the goal line back for the Buffalo Bills. So uh, to specifically name that before he would often be put in, in those situations as opposed to LaShawn McCoy, uh, for several reasons. A lot of this is similar to an old, uh, you know, Kansas City Chiefs situation where they had Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles. They don't want to injure the more talented open space running back. And that's fine and it makes sense. But remember, because this is the case now, you're not ever going to see LaShawn McCoy come in in a goal line situation instead of before where it was just a 75% I mean, chance that he it, didn't. Is it going to be that absolute, you feel? Yes, he was named the goal line back. This is a difference. Between uh, just having a tandem running back situation where he generally comes in to now being the actual starter for goal line situations. Yeah. And it wasn't like that before. Now, I'm not saying LaShawn McCoy is a bad play. He's an awesome play and is probably a top five running back across the board from all fantasy experts in, you know, the industry. But... Gillisley is now having even more value than he previously had, and that's been backed up by actual coach speak. So pretty cool news. Actual coach speak. Pretty cool news for Gillisley owners, handcuffs, big leagues, deep leagues, dynasty leagues. Gillisley is a good own. Um, in addition to that, I wanted to touch on uh, Kenneth Dixon a little bit, who was just a really good player last night versus a, a difficult New England defense. Great game. And I, you know, I don't want to say that his points were necessarily garbage time. They came in the second half, sure, um, but you know he earned that. 
Yeah, well, the, the important thing here is that he was really involved in the passing game, which is great for PPR leagues, which most leagues are PPR now. Eight catches in, on 11 targets. In my experience. And then, again, in addition to that, uh, this is the first time that he's really out-snapped uh, Terrence West, who the Baltimore Ravens don't want to be their starting running back. He was just the best villain they could possibly have for the time they had him in there. But this means that Dixon is doing exactly what we said he would do from the draft to now, which is he was going to take over the backfield. This is his first step in actually doing so, and I would consider him to be a startable running back uh, for the rest of the year. Now, you can consider that a risk if you want, but he's going to have more snaps than West every single game. So You certainly can't start West over him. No. So if you're in a PPR league and you're having issues, um, if you're in the playoffs, if you need a guy to lean on, Here's a guy who's going to get the majority of the snaps, and he's going to get some backfield passes. So Dixon becomes a, a guy that's really important. He plays uh, Philadelphia this week and then the Steelers the following week. Uh, yeah. So those are both, you know, fine matchups for him. He's going to see, you know, 10 carries and probably at least five catches. And my last bit, and I'll get back to you, is uh, Marcus Mariota. We talked about him last week, and I was sort of cautioning against playing him. He only scored seven points. Good recommendation. I was high on him, but I was very uh, wishy-washy, right? Can I at least have that? Yeah, you had him on a team, and you were waffling. I decided not to start him. (laughs) Which is good. And even though Phillip Rivers only had like three more points, I went with Rivers in the league. Um, You know, and it it worked out for me. I did not. I sat him last week. I got to get him back in the lineup, though, I feel. So you're already jumping the gun. I was going to say he's playing against Kansas City, which is still a bad defensive matchup, and I would not advise playing him again. Uh, So if you have him, it's it's trouble because here's a guy who can put up a lot of points. We know he can. However, these uh, these matchups of the past couple weeks are not good, and if you want to put him in just to put him in, you're making the wrong decision. Uh, yeah, but Kansas City has given up uh, big games to a lot of players. Trevor Simeon, Cam Newton, Blake Bortles, Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, I understand, but Tennessee is like a mirage in the desert. They are not actually a good team. They had a, a burst of, of being uh, you know, a powerful team that scored fantasy they points. They just beat Denver last week. You don't think that Denver's they're a good team? Denver's not a good team. Denver's won a lot of games this year still. Yes, they have in the, in the first half of the year. I mean, they've won, Denver's lost one of their last four. Well, let's not argue about or this. Not last four. Just keep in mind that Mariota had a bad game last week. Sure. They still play a decent defense this week. So, again, if you have other options, I would liken it to a Matt Stafford situation where he could put up a lot of points, but he's kind of being hampered by his situation and the inexperience of his team and the players around him. So I, I just don't trust that situation, and I wanted to bring that up, uh, you know, just so that you could put it in the forefront of your mind. Not you... Uh, specifically, Jason. But, but also me, specifically. Well, but all, <laughs> all people that might have him in their lineups. Sure. And, and I see where you're coming from. And um, I... This is kind of how it sounded last week, I'm just saying. You know what? They're playing in <laughs> Kansas City, and it's going to be cold. Mm-hmm. And he's from Hawaii. I don't think it's a good matchup, <laughs> man. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm just, I don't know that he's going to be, like, you know, very comfortable playing there. Where, where else has he had to play in the real cold so far? You're coming around again, so I, I feel like it's in your best interest to not play Marcus. Depending on what you got. I think he'll do better than last week, like almost for certain, because it's not like he had a bad game last week. He managed the game, and they ran the ball very effectively. It just happened to be that they played against one of the toughest uh, you know, pass defense teams that sure. the league has to offer. 
Do we want to continue the, the news? Or did you have more to add to that particular discussion? Well, I was actually going to look at Marcus Mariota's uh, 2015 uh, and just see where he played. Now, he did play his college ball in Oregon, but they end so early, you can't really give him credit for that. Um, so last year... If you're saying you should be worried about cold games, you should be worried about cold games. Yeah, last year his uh, he played at the Jets and had a bad game. Then he played in New England, and that was uh, a really bad game, but it looks like he didn't play the whole game. Okay, that's fine with me. Then we'll have to sit with a, you know, no Mariota week again. <laughs> but again, we're not not meant as a personal thing. But although you have him on one of your playoff teams, so I, I expect a similar reaction from most owners. And I think that when you play him and he goes out there and scores you ten points, you're going to be really disappointed. So don't do it. Is he what plays I'm trying. Jacksonville the following. Week. I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, maybe you, you save him until the end and play him, but. A lot of Mariota owners could possibly lose this round of the playoffs by playing him in a bad matchup. So don't do it to yourself. Start him against Jacksonville, and that's where you can actually use that uh, you know matchup to your advantage. Anyway, just my two cents. But let's go into uh, some news about Bryce Petty, another rookie quarterback who won a game. A guy who I would not start over Mariota, by the way. But yes, <laughs> Bryce Petty uh, did beat the 49ers, and they are terrible. Um, but it's another guy who gets a win before Jared Goff. So that is like, uh, well, none of the Browns guys got wins, but there was plenty of rookies that played this year. They've gotten a bunch of wins. Sure. Uh, so anyways, um, you know, Jared Goff goes to Seattle on Thursday night. We mentioned that a little while ago. Uh, Dave, I put it to you that RG3 has a better chance to win a game than Jared Goff this week. Do you know, uh, after Seattle got kind of embarrassed this, this past week, they're going to destroy the Rams? Exactly. Which is why I think that the Browns have a better chance to win. Russell Wilson's going to have like four touchdowns. Like They're, they're going to beat them like 28-7 to 7 or the something. The Browns are playing the Bills <laughs> in Buffalo. Well, I'm talking about Seattle versus the Rams. Oh, the but... game's already over. The Seattle is, you know, scored five touchdowns <laughs> yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what I think. <laughs> um. So definitely not this week for Bryce to nope. win again. Or Goff, I'm sorry. Not for Goff, no. Not for Goff. Um, so uh, watching Sunday night football, uh, when I had my main players going uh, for the last hurrah of the uh, playoff round, um, I, I couldn't help but just be fixated on the scene. Who are your main players? you got to tell everybody. Well, Ezekiel Elliott and Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm, okay. On the same team, which was really fun all year long to have. Um, but I, you know... I didn't make it. I didn't quite make it. It was Tom Brady that did me in. Ezekiel Elliott and Odell Beckham Jr. are on the same team. I don't understand what that means. They were on the same fantasy team? Ah, uh, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> on my fantasy team. That's why I was so interested in the game. There you go. Anyways, um, in the fourth quarter, when Elliott's not on the field and they're trying to come back and tie the game or take the lead, uh, Elliott is just standing there next to Romo. And the two of them are just watching the game, standing there, with kind of like blank looks on their faces, they're just they, you can tell just the gears are turning inside. Like, why am I not on the field? I would I should be on the field. I want to be out there. I need to be out there. Both of them, and you know, with Dak versus Romo, that's fine. But just seeing the two of them, and I knew that it was the they were thinking the exact same thing. And I, Elliot's right. He should have been out there. There's no reason that the Cowboys should expect that Cole Beasley and Lance Dunbar will win the game for them. 
that is not who's gotten them here. They're both right, in my opinion. It's uh, I and this, I'm going to take a small amount of credit for this because at the beginning of the season, I. I had said, or not at the beginning of the season, but when Dak Prescott took over, uh, you know it's one of those things where he's going to have a streak. But when a rookie streak ends and he doesn't know what to do and he can't deal with uh, you know stamina issues and endurance problems and people figuring out what he's going to do, he has nowhere to go. Yeah, I mean, he lost to the Giants twice now, but he's beat every other team he's played. And it's clear he's going to get another start this week. Yeah, the thing about the rookies, though, rookie quarterbacks have a harder you know, trail to burn than any other quarterback because while regular NFL players get the whole offseason off for the most part, even if they're training on the side, uh, the college rookies don't ever get to do that because they had bowl games, they had practices, they, they had, had combine. Yep. And there was no chance for them to like relax and, and not do anything. He hasn't had a vacation, Dak Prescott that is, since he went fishing uh, over draft weekend. Oh, nice. Instead of, like, because he was getting drafted so late, it didn't yeah. matter. He just went fishing. So I really don't, I don't think that he's going to last this test of time. Uh, I wonder if they end up putting in Tony Romo because Dak ends up losing the last couple games of the season. If he loses next week, they might put Romo in just, oh, you know, just to see what he's got. Or maybe they clinch something and they have Romo start seven. To see what he's got? <laughs> to see if he's still got it. That's I should, ridiculous. I guess I should say. You know, I mean, what if he gets injured, like, right away and Dak Prescott comes back in and he's, like, his confidence is crushed and he can't do anything right anymore? You know, what if you ruin a quarterback by benching him? I, 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 don't, I do not want to get into hypotheticals. I just agree with True. you about, about what they were saying on the sideline, about what they were saying with their eyes and their expressions and how I think most Dallas Cowboys fans feel. Uh, you need to go to, like, the Dallas Cowboys subreddit or the message boards on the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, fan sites or the beat reporters for the Dallas Cowboys on Twitter, they all kind of have the same opinion of this, we're having a really good season, but we're messing it up. We're not doing what we should be doing. Uh, they have been doing great. But they all think that it should be Tony Romo and not Dak Prescott because they think that Jerry Jones is messing this up. I, yeah, I mean, I, I get their want to have a franchise guy, a young guy who is going to you know, be the guy for the next 15 years because they don't you know, they fell into Tony Romo, and it, well, he didn't get a full career out of him. Um, and he's had, a, you know, injury problems. It's or just going to be fun to watch. Winning late in the year problems. But he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't have that anymore. Maybe they're worried he's just going to get hurt again. Maybe Romo isn't as healthy as he's presenting himself. That could certainly be the case. No, it's just that they, 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 can't, they, can't draw, they can't take Dak Prescott out. You can't take a guy who's won that many games out. It doesn't make sense. I understand, I understand why. You know, and like you said, they've only lost to the Giants. It's not like they've lost to a whole bunch of games and a whole bunch I know, of teams. They, they have the best record in the league. <laughs> it's it's really tough. But if they play the Giants again, aren't they just going to lose? Like, isn't that that's what I see in my Magic? But I can't. Eight ball I, it, here. It's just so confusing to me, <laughs> and just to see a team when it's like, oh, it, there's two guys sitting on the sideline who can play, and if they played, they'd win this game. And I don't think that there'd even be much of a question about it. I, that's what, exactly what I think. <laughs> and it's just so weird to watch. So it's a it's a very strange uh, uh, juxtaposition that I've got going on in the middle of a football game. Uh, it's hard to wrap my head around. So what I can say is that with Dak Prescott, he's the quarterback, and you have to keep his weapons around them, around him. And you have to keep them finally home. You can't leave them on the side. You have to use them. Otherwise, you forget and you nothing goes right. There you go. Poor Ezekiel fans.
right, so that'll put a bow on week 14. If you've made it this far in fantasy football, good for you. You are a smart person. You know what you're doing. You're paying attention to your teams. It makes you a good fantasy player, regardless of whether or not you win or not. And you having some luck everything. on your side, because it is important you as well. You can't get this far without luck. And you know what? It works both ways. I lost a game last week where I had Le'Veon Bell. You know, sometimes you're able to beat the player that scores 50 points. And sometimes your guys score 50 points and you're unbeatable. Yeah. Although I must say that skill, I still think, has a larger uh, proportion of the equation than luck, considering this year, for example, uh, I unfortunately lost one last night by .4, which is so small. But I'm in, That's luck. I'm in playoffs in seven leagues uh, from an, the initial nine. So uh, it's got to be a little more than luck, right? No, I meant losing by .04 is like, at that point, you can just chalk it up to luck. Yes, I, I'm, I agree with that. Right. Or, or <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Because obviously someone is exactly as good as you that week, essentially. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I, I have seen a couple decimal point scoring ties uh, on like uh, fantasy football message boards and, and on Twitter and stuff. And that, that has got to be even more gut-wrenching because in, in a couple leagues, at least, that I've seen, if those two players tie, what that does is that actually brings them down to the point where someone else could maybe leapfrog them and get into the, the oh, playoffs. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little vicious. You're like, oh, <laughs> that's the worst situation that could ever happen. <laughs> All right, so we are going to talk about some waiver pickups for Week 15. Uh, don't forget, don't rely on your team being the awesome team that it was five weeks ago. You have to keep making improvements. Always keep getting better. I guess is the slogan there. Uh, so at quarterback, and this is all courtesy of Jim Hutchins, remember we like to recommend players that are always going to be under 50% owned in Yahoo Leagues. It's kind of our standard Yahoo Leagues is our like measuring stick on this show. Anyways, Colin Kaepernick owned in 36% of leagues. Um, he should rebound nicely this week. Uh, he had a poor matchup last week and a poor game last week and a really bad game the week before. Um, so they play the Falcons, and they're giving up tons of of points to opposing fantasy quarterbacks. Even uh, Jared Goff got a few points in garbage time. Uh, so I expect Colin Kaepernick, if he does wind up in garbage time, to get plenty of points um, unless he gets benched, which would be really dumb. Keep in mind he just took his GREs uh, as sort of a backup plan. So Oh, really? That's the graduate record examinations for graduate school. Where what, what does he want to enroll in, do you know? No, I don't, but I'm just saying, uh, in the middle or towards the end of the season, I realize that they're out of it as a team, the 49ers, but still, you know, uh, you studying... maybe Colin Kaepernick's out of it, too? Studying and taking, like, tests to go to graduate school doesn't seem like what you should be doing during the NFL season. Well, you can't... Yeah, I mean, you should be studying the, the defense of the opposing team, really. So it's not like he really has his head in it, in my opinion. And that's just uh, one little thing I'm using to back that up. So are you going to avoid him the next couple of weeks? Like, He could still do good because... You wouldn't want to put him in over a few of the guys we were talking about earlier to bench like a Mariota? Yeah, I'd probably play Kaepernick over Mariota. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying, uh, you know, temper expectations on a guy who's going to go out and pass a test instead of... Like you said, studying the defense and uh, working with his guys. Not that I think that, that these players should should be chained to uh, you know the the film, but uh, a lot of the best ones, like Tom Brady, for example, just do it anyway. Yeah, how much film do you think Peyton Manning watched? More than everyone else. I think he had a good time in the off season, and every other moment of like the NFL season and before and after directly was spent 
only football. And that's fine. That's if, what I think. If Colin Kaepernick wants to be more than a football player, you know, more power to him. But we just, you know, it's nice to figure these things out so that we don't start him uh, in the middle of our playoffs run. I think what Colin, Colin Kaepernick <laughs> wants is not calculable by human, uh, you know, means. No, but I seem to be the only one who's like, that's a cool afro, buddy. Good for you. I dig it. Yep, throwback, man. Sure. Uh, so at running back, uh, you've got Kenneth Farrow. Kenneth Farrow on the San Diego Chargers, who will, I guess, be the starter if Melvin Gordon doesn't play. Uh, and as we said earlier, neither of us expect Melvin Gordon to play this week. If he does happen to be in there, I don't think he'll be effective at all, Yeah, which screws everything up. But, you know, check out Kenneth Farrow. I would say no. There's also Ronnie Hillman, who has been inactive for two weeks while he's learning the offense. And so I would expect Ronnie Hillman to be more active in passing down situations, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, in, in general, Kenneth Farrow has not yet scored a touchdown. And last week only had like a three and a half uh, yard per carry average. But he's an undrafted free agent from Michigan or something. So, so he'll be like Brandon Oliver where you get like one good week and here it comes. Yep, and like I said, we'll discuss it in a bit. But he he has to be a waiver wire claim because he could break out, and he could be a starter. So that's plenty of work. If he could know, break out as a starter, I mean, what if you had, you know, if you had Melvin Gordon and Matt Forte, and those were your running backs last week, like you're just decimated all of a sudden. What happens then? Then you because lose. You probably got to the playoffs with those guys. Then you lose. Well, well, you probably lost last week. Let's be honest. <laughs> Although a lot of players had bad weeks last week, a lot of scores were like really low in most leagues that I saw. Mm-hmm. I heard people complaining about it on Reddit as well. Sure, the fantasy apocalypse, uh, lowest scores in the past couple of years. Crazy shit always goes on. But we, our high score pool in our dynasty league was. A good 20 points lower than it's been all year. Well, that's indicative of, of the situation you've heard throughout the internet in the past week. Right. And then I, I would suspect it's the lowest we've ever had in four years. I think they said lowest in the past two years. The lowest high score we've had. Oh, I meant the lowest score for a week in fantasy football over the last two years. <laughs> oh, just like total points scored. And Le'Veon Bell had like the largest percentage that one player has ever had of that score. <laughs> Probably. So uh, let's round up the running backs real quick. Den- Kenneth Dixon of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we talked about him earlier. We were both kind of raving about him. We think that he is a great pickup for the rest of the year. He is only 44% owned. So along with Dixon, you need to check your waiver wire for other guys who may have been dropped for one reason or another that you could possibly grab. Mm-hmm. You know, Some of the guys in Jacksonville uh, have been getting dropped here and there. For the year, and if only one of them ends up going, the other one tends to put up a decent fantasy game. Also, there's Adrian Peterson out there. Uh, he is 45% owned. That seems to be holding steady. So I suspect most of the leagues that are going to pick him back up have already done that. Um, but it, he's talking about playing Week 16, which means you need to own him now if you haven't if you haven't managed to get him. Yeah, I still think that's an extremely risky play. But if he plays, then people have to play him just because of who he is. Yeah, especially if you're not strong at running back on that team. Or at least keep him away from other players. Uh, so at wide receiver, you've got Dontrell Inman, who is 23% owned. He has uh, passed Travis Benjamin on the depth chart. He is the number two option behind Terrell Williams. Um, so he's uh, been playing well. He has 239 yards, three touchdowns over the past three games. Uh, the Chargers are playing the Raiders. They're you know not a great pass defense this week. Uh, so Inman looked good last week. I think that he will look good again this week. Um, I need to uh, 
fix uh, Jim's notation here. He is on SD, not NE. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and then Adam Thielen of the Vikings is 19% owned. He's been putting up consistent WR3 numbers. Uh, he's got a good matchup against the Colts, who give up lots of points in the passing game. Uh, and the Vikings are probably going to need to score a little bit to keep up with them because the defense hasn't been doing uh, what they've been doing all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've also got uh, T.Y. Mon- I always say this. It's Ty Montgomery and T.Y. Hilton. You've got Ty Montgomery, who is 37% owned. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, can you Are you allergic to Green Bay Packers? No. Um, can, you, can you just talk for a second? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so Ty Montgomery has, uh, he's been interesting, right? Uh, he's had apparently some complications with his sickle cell trait for a little while now. And, uh, for a couple of games he was held out. And he didn't really have uh, very much success over those particular games and the ones surrounding them. Uh, but the, uh, the, the Packers have doubled down on him just recently about how they feel about him and also confirmed that he is a running back, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting uh, because of all this stuff that happened earlier this season. And Yahoo, ESPN, Flea Flicker, all of the usual suspects for a fantasy football league hosting about whether or not he's a running back or wide receiver. Anyway, as far as picking him up uh, as a waiver wire option, over the past two weeks, uh, he has actually um, he's rushed for about 81 yards on only 15 carries. One of those was a touchdown, and he's also gotten five receptions for 61 yards. So he's getting back in the game is basically the, the uh, consensus here. And their number one running back is James Starks, who's not really doing very well. The, the number two running back before Ty Montgomery, uh, I mean, I guess, was inserted here into the depth chart was Kristen Michael from Seattle. So basically with, with Starks and Michael, they're not really getting a lot done. They had a couple really nice weeks with Montgomery, and a lot of people think that he's going to go back to having uh, another nice week or two in fantasy, especially against Chicago this week um, in, uh, in the Soldier Field. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's... He's clearly their choice at running back, so I say go with him. Uh, the, the only thing is that now that he's been officially listed as a running back, I don't think it'll happen, but uh, there's always a possibility that sites are going to change him to be only a running back, which would, I think, definitely change his value. It's the unofficial uh, depth chart, which he's listed as a running back on, not the official depth chart. Okay. And so he'll probably continue to maintain his uh, either-or. But although I'm in a league in CBS, for example, and CBS Sports does not list him as a running back. They still list him as a wide receiver. And they issued a decree earlier this season to league owners saying, if you're the commissioner of your league, you can change him if you want. Here's how to do it. Let it be a league decision. But so they're not fine. They're not doing the, the dual. The uh, dual, yeah. So, I mean, every I league that you're in does it a little differently. Yeah, I don't mind the dual uh, wide receiver running back thing. It's just when players are dueled to other positions, it gets a little crazy. Like a wide receiver tight end or a quarterback wide receiver. I know you have some issues with that that are that are in my opinion a little unfounded, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, but in Flea Flicker, for example, where we have a dynasty league hosted, uh, if you have a running back slash wide receiver dual eligibility player, he counts against the max of both positions. Uh, so that's an interesting conundrum for those who own him, uh, because then he might push off someone that you already had sort of inadvertently. 
Um, so that's, some of these don't even have limits at uh, certain positions. Right, or that would be something that's made up by the commissioner. But it's just something to keep in mind uh, when you have guys that kind of go beyond the bounds of normal fantasy football rules, as you were you know, mentioning. Uh, so at tight end, you've got um, a cluster of guys that Jim likes uh, at tight end. So in his order, it's Ladarius Green, who is 56% owned. Um, but I, I like him as well. Hopefully you can pick him up. Uh, Jermaine Gresham is only 4% owned, so definitely uh, a guy who you almost certainly can pick up. And then Dennis Pitta is 37% owned. Uh, all of them have uh, decent matchups this week. You know, the Steelers are going to be playing... Um, I'm looking at... Well, I'm looking at week 15. The Steelers are playing the Bengals. Um, you've got the Cardinals uh, playing... The Saints, which is, you know, great for any passing offense. And then the Ravens are going to be playing the Eagles. And the Eagles' uh, defense is not what it was at the beginning of the year. So all those guys, I think, have decent matchups, along with, um, you know, being an option if you had Jordan Reed and you can't start him anymore, or Rob Gronkowski and you're, you know, shit out of luck. Yeah, well, I want to be in any league that Ladarius Green is still available in. Uh, you're right. It's probably not going to happen. But then again, the you know tight end list is a little thin this week, so it's it's worth it just to mention a few names. Uh, so Jim's uh, streaming defense options are the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the Houston Texans. And Dave, I know you've always got an opinion on where the defenses should lie. So what do you think about his uh, list of potential options there? Um. So, so I, I actually really like the Bills. I think that they are a, uh, a top defense for this week. And earlier in the season, the Bills were one of the top defenses, both statistically and uh, you know just for the sport in general in the NFL. And then over the course of the season, they kind of really dipped into a valley before coming back up the past couple games. Um, I like Miami as well. Except for last week. <laughs> well, defense is, is variable, but... It, I think you understand that. It's the good matchup, right? I don't think anybody really owns Buffalo because of all the bad games they've had. They weren't starting them against the Steelers. No, but uh, but Buffalo now in this matchup is pretty good. Uh, I don't like Houston, even though they have a decent defense, just because I feel like Houston, the defense is just going to be out there for too, uh, for too long. There's going to be too many points scored against them. It'll be easy for them to get off the field against the Jaguars. Both offenses will just be hilariously inept. I, I, I don't put my trust in a game like that. <laughs> that game will break records for possessions and punts. Well, Blake Bortles is going to score or has the propensity uh, or ability to score a lot more touchdowns than um, uh, than our friend in Houston. This is true. Brock Osweiler. The Brock, the Brock Lobster. Yeah, but I like his picks. I think those are good streaming picks. Uh, if the Giants are available, I would prefer them, but they're probably not after uh, they've played well for the last couple weeks. I also like Green Bay versus Chicago a lot. Uh, Barkley is still a newbie, even though he's been playing well, and Green Bay has uh, a good uh, ability to get to the quarterback sometimes. And uh, I also, I guess, as a, as a final one that might still be available, is Pittsburgh's been playing a lot better recently. And Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati, uh, who's missing a lot of players on their offense, could be a good pick as well in a division game. All right, so we will talk about uh, defenses a little bit more uh, coming up when we pick lineups here. Um, but I also would recommend uh, just a few of the top ads. Uh, Atlanta is still one of the big ads in, uh, in Yahoo Leagues, and they're playing San Francisco. And then Green Bay is playing Chicago. Obviously, they've got Matt Barkley. Yeah, prioritize Green Bay above Atlanta because Atlanta had an awesome game last week. 
And um, that, yeah, it's always a knee-jerk reaction. But they might score enough points against Atlanta to to make their maximum points not a great ceiling. The 49 the 49ers can score plenty of garbage time points. Right, exactly. We've seen that all. You might be you might have like 12 points from the defense and then Kaepernick is going to score two garbage time touchdowns which brings you down to like a four or something. But uh, I, I like it. I think Atlanta's decent. Great song. Oh, yeah. I'm loving having Spotify. <laughs> I get to, you know, explore and add all kinds of songs that I uh, never remembered. It's true. Never remembered I remembered. <laughs> all right, so Dave, uh, you contributed. Uh, your contribution for this week was the uh, kind of breakdown of the top five matchups to exploit in week 15. Um, so would you like to lead us down that path there? Yeah, sure. Um, would you do me a favor, and I hate to ask this, but uh, would you be able to to, uh, to get me an additional beer or two, possibly? I can make that happen. Here, you have this one, and I'll make more beers appear. All right. He's a magician. Yes. Uh, but come back soon so we can discuss. Uh, thank you very much for running over there. Um, he's not going to the store, by the way. I'm not sending him out. Not all the way to the store. In the Chicago winter, which is terrible outside. Um for some people that have to go outside. I mean, you couldn't even leave your beers outside. They would freeze. They would. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you're in a close match, etc., cetera, um, and, and a lot of people have been or are going to be, not that you can determine exactly how close the match is going to be, but if you think that things are going to end up closely, you need to do a lot of studying and research throughout the week. And one of the things that we've talked about, like you said earlier, was defensive matchups. Now that uh, centers around both uh, the passing defense, rushing defense, uh, amount of yards that a team allows for their opponent to get, but also the fantasy points against, which is a stat that I know you like. Um, uh, and it's something I look at all the time when I'm doing rankings, when I'm looking at who to start. Sure. And, I, and because when I look at – the reason I like it so much is because when I look at – how people performed each week, the people at the top always had easy matchups. Sure. Even if they're not good names, they wind up being the easy matchups. Yeah, because it's just it's easier for them based on you know the uh, the the standard um, uh, of the averages of all of the teams. If they're performing generally bad against wide receivers, for example, then those wide receivers will generally score more points than the average. So, knowing that information. I'm just giving a list of five defenses to scheme against and what particular positions will work the best. Not necessarily uh, the top five uh, of, of all of the defenses, but the top five that, that I think this week are, um, are the ones that you should play against. Number one being the Cleveland Browns. And so generally it's been the Browns every single week and for good reason because they haven't won a game yet. <laughs> Fade the Browns. Yeah. Uh, they're having a historically bad year and give up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Uh, that's Tyrod Taylor of the Buffalo Bills, who in the past several weeks has been struggling. But now with Sammy Watkins back, um, you know, with uh, their running game going pretty well, um, they, they could have a really good game versus the Browns, and that's kind of what I expect them to do. Uh, ninth most points, 25.06 to wide receivers. 
And I do like Watkins coming back now, playing more snaps than he has in the past couple weeks after scoring a touchdown, after, you know, not having any kind of health concerns. Yes, I think I getting think, through weeks without any issues. That's I, important. I think a Sammy Watkins versus the Browns could be 100-plus yards and a touchdown, like traditional Sammy Watkins stats. Oh, man, that's going to make a lot of Sammy Watkins owners smile. Yeah, if they play him, you know. Uh, I think you got to play Sammy in this position. I think a lot of people are going to do that. Yeah, if you kept him for those weeks that he was out, or if you picked him up when someone else dropped him, this is the week to play him to cash out. Uh, those chips. I suspect his start percentage will be in the high 80s and low 90s. Yeah, whereas the people that aren't starting him are the people that uh, are not setting their lineups any longer, probably. Yeah. Um, and and we've got the uh, second most fantasy points to running backs. Uh, and so that is LaShawn McCoy and Mike Gillisley. 23.59 points going to them from opponents of the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, another great matchup there. And second most, 11.62 to tight ends, Charles Clay being the tight end of the Buffalo Bills. So I think the entire Buffalo offense has a good shot of being in the top 10 of their respective positions, which means that this is a really nice week to play uh, the Buffalo Bills Ooh, offensive You're guys. talking like, you know, in the uh, 30, 40 points for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, well, even if they don't, they, they'd still have... Watkins, McCoy, and Tyrod, and Clay, uh, they should at least approach top tens of well, those positions. Here's what we've been mentioning all night, and Buffalo's the worst for it, weather. They get so much of the um, lake effect snow and all that stuff that they're really, you know, they're really affected by weather. It's really likely that they're going to have lake effect snow because that's just what happens this time of year. So, does that change? Do you want to maybe shy away from Sammy Watkins if it's really bad weather i don't okay hey you know some some guys you just power through i don't think you ever sit tom brady because of bad weather <laughs> no but but tom brady throws like five touchdowns in snow so exactly and like it was always a good idea to sit peyton manning in the crappy weather the problem with the weather discussion and not to get too much into it of course is is that you never know when it's actually going to be debilitating weather when it's preventing you from running or if it's slippery or if it's actually just fine because a lot of times if it's a light snow there's not really that big of a deal there might be a little bit less right. visibility but it's fine otherwise um, or if it's really cold you know as long as all the players are wearing protective gear and you know they're fine um, I think you're right though that it's important to to monitor the situation and weather in in stadiums that are not domes is something that's a huge variable that hopefully the NFL is able to work out at some point in the future uh, because you know just the the luck of where they are at the end of the year is something that could play a large role in in whether or not that, they win and lose those games. I think that that's something that they want to keep in the league at least for now. It it may be possible that in fifty years they just want to remove that element of randomness from the game, but I think for now they like having that. Okay, number two, San Francisco 49ers, and that's no surprise to anyone. The 49ers give up the most fantasy points to running backs, so that's going up against Freeman and Coleman in Week 15, which means you should be starting either one of those if you have them. And I would say I would go so far as to say that if you don't have another option and you for whatever reason have both. Starting both would be a good idea. Uh, they also give up the fifth most points to quarterbacks, which is Matt Ryan, who doesn't really need the help, but he's going to get it anyway. And the third most points, 26.41, to wide receivers, uh, of which the lineup is Julio Jones, Taylor Gabriel, and Mohamed Sanu. Now, Jones and Sanu have been injured for the past couple weeks, 
It looks like Jones might uh, play in this game after not playing in the previous one. Same with Sanu. Uh, but Taylor Gabriel is going to be a start. So here's the deal. I think you guys all know this by now. If Jones doesn't start, Gabriel is uh, a wide receiver uh, two slash three. Um, if Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones don't start, Taylor Gabriel becomes a wide receiver one slash two. So hopefully if you're a Gabriel owner, the other two guys are still going to be injured because if Sanu comes back in, he's going to get a lot of targets. And if Jones is able to play, he's going to get the bulk uh, of those targets because this is an offense that just gives away chunks of yardage. I'm sorry, a defense that gives away chunks of yardage at a time. It is. And, and I definitely agree with your assessment on Jones there. I've said before, I don't think that they use him in a decoy role, really. If he's in, he's in because they want him to play. Well, and they, and they took him out because they wanted to rest him for another week. But if he does come, if he does come in, then, then Gabriel takes the hit uh, and Jones becomes the guy. So we'll see. Um, what you don't want as a Taylor Gabriel owner is both those guys to be active. If only one of them is active, you can still have some production. If both of them are active and you have all three receivers out there, Gabriel suddenly becomes a flex play instead of a wide receiver. One oh, yeah, three. he's a long shot. And, you know, he's not a guarantee for a touchdown and 100 yards or anything like that, even with these guys out. No, but he'll get eight targets if there's nobody in there. That's the thing, though. He'll get lots of targets if there's nobody there. Yep. Uh, so watch whether or not those guys are practicing later this week and tomorrow when injury reports come out. But Jones will more than likely come down to a, a game-time decision uh, or at least later in the week before we know exactly what's going on with him. So watch closely. Holy um, cow. So let me interrupt you here for a minute. Uh, you jump into another team now, right? Yep. Okay, so before that, I must talk about what beer we are now drinking or, <laughs> or about to be drinking in your case. Um, Pernicieu... I suppose I've totally butchered that name. Uh, it's called. It's from Solemn Oath Brewing. Uh, thank you, Mike. We opened your bomber, and it's delicious. Um, but I, from what I've heard, you're going to get lots more bombers from this place. Um, so we'll make it up to you. Uh, but anyways, this is an 8.5% Belgian brown rye ale. And I assume that that name is some sort of Belgium name. Maybe you could have a better attempt at it than I can. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's French. It should be like Pernasau or something like that. Okay. But I don't know how to pronounce it, so don't hold me to it, please. Yeah, I didn't pronounce the X. I know that it shouldn't be pronounced. <laughs> I'm at least that cultured. But yeah, we appreciate it a lot. One of our writers, Mike, has uh, provided this for us this evening. And uh, I'm going to try to skate through these last couple, although I think the numbers are important. So I'll try to uh, hover over those real quickly. The Philadelphia Eagles, number three, you touched upon them earlier saying the Eagles were a great defense the first couple weeks of the season. Right. That was true. And there's actually been a couple matchups sporadically throughout the year that were decent for them. But the Eagles have now given up the second most fantasy points to wide receivers over the course of the year. They're playing the Ravens this year at Baltimore, and they, they go up against Mike Wallace and Steve Smith. You'll notice, by the way, that all of the defenses that I chose here are actually not playing at home. They're, they're visitors. So it's, <laughs> it's even better. It's just that extra bonus. Oh, yeah. Um, so Mike Wallace and Steve Smith underperformed a little below their averages last week against the Patriots, which makes sense. But I'd expect their numbers both to be really dramatically larger uh, after this matchup. And I don't think that the rest of the offensive positions are, are in line for, for a huge game. Although I would think that, that Dixon on the Ravens would still get a whole lot of backfield passes since the Eagles do have a pretty good rushing defense. Uh, How do you feel about Pitta? Again, uh, against tight ends, quarterbacks, and running backs, the Eagles do pretty decently. Okay. So I don't feel like Pitta should be a, you know, a highly ranked tight end. Okay. What's your opinion? 
No, I, you know, that's essentially where I would fall on that is that, you know, if, if they, if they're good against one thing and not the other, they're probably going to continue that way. Yeah. Uh, so Pitta, not a good streaming option this week. Sure. I think the wide receivers are what you should really look at. I and mean, even Joe Flacco, he's going to give some yards to those receivers, but uh, they might get their points from yardage and not touchdowns just based on the Eagles stats. And Pitta was all about the checkdowns. Last week he threw a ton of checkdowns, but now they're going to Kenneth Dixon instead of Pitta. They because are. Because Dixon can turn them into much bigger gains. True. So, yeah, Pitta kind of uh, going back to the back burner, if you will. Uh, number four, Carolina Panthers, the team that nearly won the Super Bowl fell apart basically over the course of this season and somewhat in the end of the offseason of uh, earlier this year. The Panthers now giving up the seventh most points to quarterbacks, which is Kirk Cousins, and they're playing in Washington against the Redskins. So Kirk Cousins should have a pretty good game against Carolina. Uh, Looking at the past couple matchups that Carolina has had, uh, Kirk Cousins should be able to put up a good amount of points. And the seventh most points they're giving up, uh, Carolina, that is 25.55 points to wide receivers, Deshaun Jackson and Jameson Crowder. They do have Pierre Garçon, who is kind of a desperation play at flex slash WR3, because in this game he'll probably get some points. Isn't Deshaun Jackson kind of in the same category of desperation, WR3? Deshaun Jackson had a great game last week, and it looks like they're kind of picking up steam with him. And Deshaun Jackson is looking to be traded, and there's rumors swirling. So I feel like he's got these last couple games to kind of prove his worth. Okay, that's interesting. So I'm looking at Jackson and Crowder to have good games. Uh, here against the Carolina Panthers, and they give up the most points, uh, which is an interesting statistic, per game to tight ends. It's 11.63 to Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, who are the tight ends for the Washington Redskins. But you got to remember that Jordan Reed didn't play a lot of snaps last week. He's been coming off an injury, so is he going to be productive? Um, I don't know. We're going to have to look this week and see exactly how things are developing, but if Jordan Reed doesn't play a lot of snaps, Vernon Davis has the opportunity to score a touchdown here, a high probability touchdown. Otherwise, Jordan Reed, if he's looking better, is a great play um, this you know semifinal round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they've given up a lot of points to uh, tight ends. Like you're saying, a lot of like double-digit games, six double-digit games, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yep. I mean... Um, Whoever takes the most snaps. If Jordan Reed is healthier, he's going to have a huge game. Yep. But I'm so like they had him play last week and he didn't do anything. And I don't know if yeah, they he played like ten he snaps could do or so, more and he just couldn't. Um, so uh, you know, I hope that they that it's clearer going into this week's game. Me too. Because last week it was as clear as mud. Uh, the Panthers are better against the run. They are allowing the seventh least amount of points, which is 15.28 in total, to running backs, which may make Rob Kelly a tough play because he doesn't really catch passes at all. So uh, the fact that he's just going to be running and they have a bad matchup, I, I would I would consider putting Rob Kelly on the back burner. Uh, or if you play him, uh, know that he his floor might end up being something like 60 yards, 6 points, no catches. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I would say to that is that lately with Luke Keekley out, they've been giving up more points. Uh, last week excluded because Melvin Gordon went out. Uh, you had huge games to Thomas Rawls, a good game to Latavius Murray, lots of points split between uh, Hightower and Ingram against New Orleans, and I believe that was the game where he went out. So um, with Luke Keekley out, you know, I'm not so worried about their defenses. Maybe I once was. Just the facts, ma'am. Uh, number five, Oakland Raiders. 
they're playing the San Diego Chargers. Now, the Raiders had a decent defense for a couple of weeks, but they've proven to not really have that great of a defense overall uh, and are actually offering up the six most points to running backs. Now, the weird thing, and we discussed this earlier, is the running backs for the Chargers are no longer Melvin Gordon and Danny Woodhead and you know all those guys. <laughs> it's Kenneth Farrow and Ronnie Hillman, two guys that were not on the team at the beginning of the season. So... Who's the, Derek Watt? That's who's in, that's who Yahoo has listed as a running back there. Uh, I haven't even heard of that guy. He must be a third, fourth, or fifth string. He's available in all of my leagues. <laughs> so the current situation is shaping up to have uh, Farrell running as the main back in the offense. But a lot of people think that Ronnie Hillman, who's been inactive for two weeks now, uh, after having been picked up by the Chargers, might end up being the primary pass-catching back because he's already done that before. And uh, to mention again what I already did pre- previously... Farrow is a, uh, a UDFA, an undrafted free agent, who, you know, there's been guys like Rawls who have been super successful, but there's also been other guys who just are not skilled enough and experienced enough to take care of that. And we've noticed that, one, the yards per carry from Farrow have been pretty dismal, uh, and two, his passing down protection for the quarterback has not been very good. So, like all teams, Philip Rivers needs to be able to pass and be protected in order to beat the Raiders. So if that continues to be a problem with Farrow, you're going to see Ronnie Hillman have half the snaps here. But regardless of who you want to play, and pay attention before the game to see who does get to start, um, either one was going to have a pretty good night uh, based on the six most points that the Raiders are offering to running backs. Uh, we've also got uh, the 12th most points to wide receivers. Um, and keep in mind that with the wide receiver points, uh, the, the 12th most points are not that different than the 7th most points, for example. It's only a point different. Uh, we're talking about uh, Terrell Williams, Dontrell Inman, um, those guys being there one and two. Uh, now that, uh, unfortunately, what's-his-face is out for the whole season. Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen, who yeah. was I was looking at that one the so other good, day. So good, so yeah. good. Uh, anyway, uh, Williams should have a, a really good game. It looks like he's playing through that rotator cuff uh, torn labrum issue like we discussed last week. Oh, that's uh, right. I forgot about that. Dontrell Inman has been picking it up as well because he's playing over Travis Benjamin. And in this writer's opinion, uh, Travis Benjamin should probably be benched uh, and just put anybody else in because he's been terrible over the last couple weeks. So we're basically looking at Travis Benjamin, who was the number two receiver at the beginning of the year, who became the number one receiver, who now is the number three receiver. <laughs> Sorry, Benjamin. Well, you know, he goes up and down the charts, but maybe he'll have a good game. Yeah. Uh, I, I like your recommendation of the Chargers here um, because I think Oakland is going to be pissed off about losing last week and they're going to score a ton of points and um, want to, like, you know, have to keep pace with the Chiefs and uh, Chargers are going to have to keep up. Well, I like that you view teams as an entity that could have like one emotion. They they certainly try to. <laughs> uh, the tenth most points are given up to opposing quarterbacks, Philip Rivers, who could have a really good game here, and the eleventh most points to tight ends, which is Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, Henry, which is a very difficult situation because it looks like Antonio Gates gets a lot of the play, but then Henry might be in there for a touchdown or something like that, and it's difficult to gauge week to week who's the person to play. I would say Antonio Gates is again the guy in this particular game, although later in the game, when Antonio Gates gets tired, they'll probably end up throwing a touchdown to Hunter Henry again. That's a good point. So there there we have it. So take those matchups into consideration, and uh, best of luck in Week 15. 
Alright, well, uh, we'll jump right into the head-to-head-to-head -to -head -to -head matchups. Uh, a quick recap of last week, we had Mike on the program, and uh, he took the week with 108 points. Dave had 89 points, um, and then I finished in last place with 70. Uh, our bet last week, if you recall, is that the uh, loser will cook dinner for the other two. But well, right. second place, Dave... You do have to at least contribute monetarily to the meal. <laughs> but it looks like I will be cooking whatever it is that Mike wants me to cook. So congratulations uh, there, buddy. Uh, you know, you've taken a head-to-head-to-head -head -head matchup. And, uh, you know, it's not often that the visitor uh, takes the matchup from us, Dave. No, I don't think so. So that won't happen this week. And that's fun. <laughs> so I look forward to that. But let's, uh, let's embark upon a new journey. Okay, so... Uh, as always, you can check out our rankings on our website, drink5.com, or you can go to the um, Fantasy Pros website and check us out. We are listed as experts there under David Biggs, so it's easy to find. Um, now, uh, at first, what we're going to do, uh, the same thing we do every week. That's our right pinky. Uh, we're try, to try to take, to take over, over the world. world. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... Um, I heard we will that. start with uh, just one position. We'll go back and forth. Normally this is three people, but two people is going to go much quicker. Uh, we'll have three people to choose from so that the last guy gets uh, put in a backup role. Um, anyways, let me close this to make things quicker for me. And Dave, you never get to go first in any of these. You never even get to go second in any of these. I would like you to go first right now. I want you to tell me a position Quarterback. to start with. All right, quarterback, we're going to do uh, five, six, and seven. So you get to choose from Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Tyrod Taylor. Brady's at Denver. Uh, Russell Wilson is at home versus Los Angeles, and Tyrod Taylor is hosting Cleveland. Yeah, I like uh, both Russell Wilson versus L.A. and uh, Tyrod Taylor versus Cleveland. Uh, but I think I will take Russell Wilson versus L.A. in a bounce-back game where he destroys Ooh. the Rams. Destruction. Yeah, that's not a bad call. Tom Brady, of course, has like the worst matchup in this game. Tyrod Taylor, ooh. Can we possibly put Tom... You know what? I'm mad at Tom Brady for beating me this week. I'm taking Tyrod Taylor. No, as we just discussed, I mean, he has a great matchup uh, against exactly. Cleveland. And, and you know me, I love matchups, and I'll use that as my defense for not picking Tom Brady when he uh, smokes both of the guys that we picked this week. There you go. All right, so I'm going to jump right into the running back position. Uh, we'll do running back one, which is going to be eight, nine, and ten. So I'm going to choose from Latavius Murray, Carlos Hyde, and Jeremy Hill. Uh, Murray is in San Diego. Hyde is in Atlanta, and Hill is hosting Pittsburgh. Um, so Hill, interestingly enough, a guy that we have uh, much higher than the ECR um, I, I think he had a great week. I don't know that the Pittsburgh defense is uh, that great right now. And, you know, the Bengals are going to have to rely on Jeremy Hill. And it's possible, we didn't mention this at all tonight, that A.J. Green comes back. Isn't that right? Uh, yes. So A.J. Green will come back more than likely this week or next week. Uh, and they're putting him at 50-50 to start this week versus Pittsburgh. Uh, in a division match like this, um, one where Cincinnati probably won't make the playoffs, uh, they might not. They might hold him out a little bit. I don't know. But but I would say that just like Julio Jones, just like Sammy Watkins, just like all these athletes, if he's able to play um, and there's no real reason to hold him out, he's playing. 
Okay, so this is what I'm going to decide to do in this choice here. Uh, Latavius Murray, I like him. Jeremy Hill, I like him. What are we betting on, by the way? When I always pick them, uh, I'm not sure. We haven't picked that yet. <laughs> I thought maybe we could make it something good this week. Because it's just the two of us. Um, something it'll, good. It'll be something good. Um, <laughs> but to complete my thought, I, I like both Murray and Hill, and I always like to pick them, and they tend to disappoint me. Okay. And I never pick Hyde, and he always beats me. So I'm taking Carlos Hyde. All right. It'll be like the Frank Gore thing where I pick him and then he does bad. But, you know. Well, I just talked about, about Oakland versus San Diego, and I think I'm going to take Latavius Murray in this matchup. All right. But I agree with you that uh, Murray has a – I mean, there's a lot of guys on the Raiders now that occasionally run, like Jalen Richard, et cetera, that end up getting like 70-yard plays and they steal all the thunder from Murray. Yeah. So this is a fun kind of snake draft because you get to pick two in a row. Essentially. Should I buy you a 49ers hat? A 49ers hat? Well, what sort of ridiculous hat could I get you? A Cleveland Browns hat, I think. Uh, so, go ahead, Dave. What position do you want to go with? A running back two. Uh, so, that'll be 12, 13, 14. We're not going to have much uh, of a drop-off there. Jordan Howard at home against Green Bay. LeGarrette Blunt in Denver. And Spencer Ware hosting Tennessee. I'll take Jordan Howard versus Green Bay in Chicago. Because they're just going to run the ball a lot. That's what Chicago is, is seeing seeing what they have there and it's really working out for them I think it really is. Jordan it Howard really had a great is. a great week uh, the previous week to this one what did he score he scored three touchdowns right yep uh, so I'm going to take LeGarrette Blunt. Um, he's leading the league in touchdowns I believe he's doing awesome uh, they're going to have to lean on the run game a little bit more uh, in Denver I suspect and um, you know Spencer Ware isn't really uh, I think in the category of the other two guys in the same tier at the moment. Yeah, well, Denver's you know has the the best passing defense in the fourth. Um, I'm sorry, yes, the best passing defense in the fourth worst rushing defense. Right after watching the Atlanta running backs destroy them earlier in the year and realizing that that wasn't a fluke, uh, I realized you know it's okay to start running backs against Denver now. Worry about the passing game, not the running game. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll put the backup and. Spencer Ware, and then I'm going to take. I'll uh, just keep going down the line, right? Why not? WR1 is going to be 3 4 5, um, and I don't even know who they are yet. So 3 Odell Beckham Jr. versus Detroit, tough matchup. T.Y. Hilton at Minnesota, a very tough matchup. And then Des Bryant versus Tampa Bay, a very sketchy start. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and go with my guy, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, because I don't have him in a team. That is still playing. <laughs> if I have to choose between those three, then I choose Des Bryant, who can catch two touchdowns at any time. And I think really think that the Cowboys, that's one thing we didn't mention when we were talking about their game, uh, that the Cowboys really need to get Des Bryant going more. One catch on nine targets, and that wasn't his, you know, he might have dropped one or two of them, but, like, it was just bad game flow, uh, forced passes. You know, it was never going to work very well for Des Bryant. Bad in quarterbacking, game. in my opinion. Yeah. Although no one wants to say that about Dak Prescott, but right, it's like don't hurt the rookie's feelings. But you know what? He <laughs> had a bad game. Yeah. There, that's that. Uh, so um, you took Des Bryant, and then the backup is going to be T.Y. Hilton. So what position do you want to go to next? Running back three. We don't have a third running back, unfortunately. Running back four. Well, all right. So we're going to choose between <laughs> running backs uh, 41, 42, and 43. No, the wide receiver, too, will, will work out just fine for me. Oh, wow. Those are interesting. Devontae Booker, Derrick Henry, and James White. 
Hmm. So wide receiver two it is. That'll be numbers 14, 15, and 16. Okay. Uh, so we are going to be at Sammy Watkins versus Cleveland, Tyreek Hill versus Tennessee, Demarius Thomas versus New England. All guys at home. I know who you're taking. I mean, can I just write it in and just move on? Well, I like Demarius Thomas's matchup, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll choose Sammy Watkins Of course, here. yes. Oops, I wrote him in for the wrong player. I do like Mr. Sammy Watkins. We also didn't talk about Elshon Jeffrey, who's coming back uh, from suspension. Who's, I don't know that it's that big of a deal to talk about. <laughs> I do. He was a guy who was picked in the first tier of all wide receivers, and I would expect, even with Matt Barkley, for him to have eight targets this game. So, I, you know, just, just to put it out there, um, just because I'm seeing guys on, on the list, I, I don't think that he's someone that we should uh, breeze by. And I think you'll be surprised if you have a negative opinion of him when you see the stats from this week. Oh, you know that I always have. But I, I think you're probably right when you, uh, you know. He's going to get the ball. <laughs> he, he, he was only suspended. He wasn't injured. So he's going to come back and he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's fine. So, uh, yeah, I think that he certainly can catch seven passes for 120 yards and probably get a touchdown. Well, that's like Possibly a Possibly get a touchdown. That's like a, a eight, top eight performance of wide receivers then. It's pretty good, but he's not available anywhere. Well, maybe he is. I, I bet he probably is because people just uh, – he hasn't come back yet. This is the first week. So, uh, But you're right. Most people are probably holding on to him. Uh, so I wouldn't expect him to be available in more than, let's say, 20% of uh, Yahoo leagues. Okay, so next position is uh, my choice. I will take the WR3. Why mm. not? Uh, we're going to go deep here, 28, 29, and 30. Oh, you must have looked at this ahead of time, Dave, because we have Alshon, Jeffrey, A.J. Green, and Terrell Pryor. I didn't, actually. How interesting <laughs> is that? Who's the backup in case A.J. Green doesn't play? No, it's whoever we don't pick is the backup. So if, if one of us takes A.J. Green, oh. then it will either be Alshon Jeffrey or Terrell Pryor. Yeah, I understand. So I'm just used to playing with three people now. Na- yeah, naturally. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to take A.J. Green. I, I can't resist, really. I've <laughs> never had A.J. Green on a fantasy team before. Are you serious? Rarely, that's like, that's a mistake, anywhere. my friend. Yes <laughs> and no. I, I choose Alshon Jeffrey, who should have a great game. Yeah, I think... Uh, so I guess that means you get Terrell Pryor if you don't have uh, AJ, who uh, doesn't seem to be smiled upon anymore by the gods of fantasy that are RG3. Yeah, but um, you know what? I'm sensing some garbage time in this game. And RG3 did hook up with Pryor in the preseason and stuff like that. So uh, there, there could still be something there. It's just that the Browns need to do something. Yeah, they're we'll not, not going to, though. They're not going to do much. <laughs> I, I, I agree, you know. But let's talk about tight end. Taking ends. a chance. So tight end, we're going to go 6, 7, and 8. We have Jordan Reed versus Carolina, Kyle Rudolph versus Indianapolis, and Cameron Great at Dallas. Oh, that game's at Dallas. That is the Sunday night game, I believe. That should be a very good game, Tampa Bay and Dallas. Ooh. So your choice. Okay, um, so I have no choice but you to go no with choice. upside. So my upside choice is Jordan Reed. You're taking all the Jordans this week. That's right. There's only two. Well, Reed and Howard. <laughs> um, then I, I, I uh, 
shoot. I just I get whoever. Well, whoever I don't pick if Reed doesn't play. No, he'll play. Yeah, if he plays, he plays. He's just only going to play like twenty snaps, which, which is a bummer because so last week uh, we had Mike had Michael Thomas who didn't play, and so he got like Brandon Marshall, not a huge deal, but he got something. We had uh, J- uh, Forte and Gordon on our teams. Uh, hey man, we didn't get anything. That's the rules of the game. Them's the breaks. But you know what's funny? Even if we did get something, it was Devonta Freeman was the backup. One point eight for him. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, who seems to be in this like uh, matchup every single week. Well, I would put Rudolph and Braid on the same page anyway. So, All right, so do you want to do kicker or defense? Or is it my turn? It's your turn. Okay. Um, I want to go kicker first because um, I've had a weird kicker thing all year now. I hate kickers, and I don't want to ever have them in fantasy football. But as long as they're here, I figured I might as well start enjoying them. It's funny that you say you don't want to have them in fantasy football, yet you commissioner, uh, you commission most of the leagues that you're in, and yeah. you, you still have them in your league. So obviously... You need to do some things to popular demand, and you know what? I doubt anyone is demanding that there be kickers. If I got rid of kickers, there would be people who were upset. Okay. And the rest of the people would be like, I don't know why you got rid of kickers, dude. Just put them back. Don't take it too personally. I'm just responding to the fact that you said you didn't like kickers, yet you still are in charge of all the leagues. Sure. And I made these leagues up a while ago before I really made up my mind about kickers. I like kickers personally, so I, I would probably protest if I was in any of those particular I'm leagues. I'm having fun with it. And I don't have any reason to remove a position from the leagues. <laughs> but if I were to start a new league, I would do it without kickers and defense. Oof. Or I would do it with, like, defensive players and, like, go crazy with it. This sounds like terrible decisions to me, but... I can't have another league that's just like the rest of my leagues. I gotta go different. Gotta have something crazier. Anyways, we're gonna go... We'll probably have a whole show about about this in the offseason next year, about, like, what kind of leagues you can create and everything. That'll be fun. But go ahead. (laughs) So, uh, we're gonna go one, two, three on the kickers. That would be Matt Bryan versus San Francisco, Cairo Santos versus Tennessee, and Justin Tucker versus Philadelphia. I'm going with Justin Tucker because uh, because he's freaking Justin Tucker. I like Matt Bryant uh, versus San Francisco. I think that's the, they're going to have no trouble getting down the field every single time. Well, good for you. This week you actually picked the guy who you picked number one. Last week you ranked them, and then you didn't pick the guy that you picked, that you ranked. Well, I, I don't have him in front of me, so. All right. Uh, and then... <laughs> Finally, for defense, you get to choose 7, 8, and 9. That'll be the Giants, who are playing Detroit at home, the Vikings, who are playing Indianapolis at home, and the Texans, who are playing Jacksonville at home. I like the Giants. So uh, yeah, their defense has been very good lately. I'll go with them. All right. But but all of them New are... New York football Giants. All of them are good options, in my opinion, although I, I, th- I still think Houston's kind of valued a little bit too high. Um, well, there's only one person to blame on that count. <laughs> so, Look, I, you know, I, I, I do a certain algorithm to, to generate the list, so I don't have to necessarily agree with it with all of my heart. I, I, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Minnesota Vikings. I've been riding them all year. And you know what? Even while they've been down, they've been, you know, not out. And... I'll stick with them. I don't like. I'm writing the Houston Vikings. Yeah, they had they had like a negative. They had like a negative uh, <laughs> a week, but all the other ones I think were were all pretty good and positive. Even when they were not great, uh, I think the lowest were like uh, three or four. Um, they still had a generally high average for the season. So, 
So what should we uh, wager on this week? Did that, you have any thoughts? That's all you, man. That's all me, man. Um, <laughs> this is the wrong time to come up with the idea for a bet, and I we both is. we both know that we'll come up with one off the air. So yeah, we'll we'll discuss it later, and we'll let you know next week. Um, but I I I just want to say that uh, with only one podcast remaining, and maybe a couple guests on for next week. A, it's a great one to listen to. And for all of you who've listened to us this far, uh, please make sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher at Drink5 Network and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and the website at drink5.com.